Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, good evening and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan, here in the Fish Hunt Northwest live studio on the shores of... The beautiful Summit Lake. Yeah, absolutely. So, Summit Lake, Washington, Olympia, uh, coming to you live here from the studio this evening. If you're joining us via Root Sports, we appreciate you tuning in, and hopefully you find a little education and get entertained. Uh, Thomas, man, what a week. It's been an awesome week. I've been uh, tuna fishing. How about you? Uh, no, went out and chased a little bit of Chinook action on some tributaries. There we go. More of a scouting run, to be quite honest. Yeah. Jordan and I took the pontoon boats, kind of got up away from people. Look, one rule that I stick by and live by, typically, you know, water's low, stay low in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, water is your friend, and this time of year, uh, we were kind of like, you know, we don't like the crowds, let's go up a stretch and kind of poke around. It was a nice, long, eight-mile uh, push-out row on the old pontoon, so it was more of a workout. Good workout. Trip. Yeah. Uh, hey, it was a Father's Sunday. We had a great time. So. Beautiful. Absolutely. So we got lots of content to get to tonight. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, joining us. Um, before we get too far along, I want to remind you, hey, if you have not, jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. Check out the FHN20 coupon. Apply that at checkout on all edge fishing rods. Go to edge rods um, via the coupon. And, yeah, Tommy threw us an FHN. Uh, all rods, 20% off all the time. If they are not previously tied to any other promotional opportunity, uh, with that, man, there's some things going on here. Announcements coming from WDFW. Hey, you know, clam diggers are just around the corner. I saw the announcement. September 22nd. We have opportunity to start digging clams. There's upwards of 56 days that have been announced uh, through the winter time frame and holiday season beginning September 22nd. Uh, take advantage of the 22nd through the 26th, I'm telling you, because that is some prime time morning tides. You're going to get those early morning daytime daylight uh, opportunity to dig clams. And you don't want to miss out on that. And in other news, it <laughs> is time to report your Puget Sound crab, your Dungeness crab. Um, you know, now there's always some confusion about, well, like, what areas do I have to do that in? And if you're crabbing out of Westport or the Columbia River, you don't you don't need to worry about it. Okay, this is purely the Puget, Puget Sound. Sound yeah. And so, you know, October first is the date you have to report by. And if you don't, it's a $10 fine. Now, $10 is not a lot, but for me, it's more of the rub, like, I missed it, right? Uh-huh. And I have to, I'm giving more money I on failed. top of what I already give, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, as a donation to the cause. So I try not to do that. Um, and if you have a 2022 catch record card, you should have gotten an email from WFW um, as an extra reminder. So that may be going to your spam email, depending on how you have your email inbox set up. So take a look. But uh, anyhow, October 1st is the date. Don't forget to report. Or it's going to cost you 10 extra dollars, as you mentioned, the mm-hmm. donation to WDF. That's right. And we pay, we pay enough as it is. All righty. Hey, uh, two points of reference we wanted to get out there. Hopefully you guys paying attention to those. Uh, running down the show, Tommy. A busy night for sure, to say the least. Tuna, it's a, it is what has been on your mind, my friend. Breaking it down by the numbers, and boy, we got some numbers for you. Then first time to the show, Brianna Bruce, Living Life Adventures, Area 10 Coho. Tommy, have you heard about that, man? Just how good. It's been phenomenal. Is that bite. And then a uh, FHN quick tip, finding depth 
with your vertical bobber and bait presentation. It's easier than you think. I'm going to walk you through that. Bait lab tonight, Tommy, we're continuing our uh, egg cure 101 Potsky's fire cure and sulfites. I kind of mentioned it last week in a general overview. Tonight we're going to get down and dirty. We're going to actually cure some eggs and talk about fire cure and what those sulfites truly do. And then, of course, our good buddy, Bill Monroe Jr., Bill Monroe Outdoors, the Thule debacle of 2022 that you and I have talked about a few times. Uh, understanding the issues because they keep coming up and we need some clarity. No better person to get Bill Monroe on. Closing out the show, boy, we got some stuff going on, don't we, Tommy? Absolutely. Uh, FHN Ross Outdoors invite hunting. We got our dates to announce for November, December, and some great opportunity to get out and hunt with us. And also, we've posted a contest, Four Season Fighters, the gala, uh, how you can attend for free. This is a $250 value. Want to get that in the hands of somebody. So with that, we got your buddy Ty here from Florida sitting mm -hmm. in on the show over in the fan chair. That's what we call that That's now, right. The fan chair. Groupie and, section. <laughs> the groupie section. Lots of content to get to. A lot of people signing on here. Appreciate you guys uh, taking a look tonight. Uh, we will jump out for a quick break. We come back. Tommy, we got some tuna talk. Oh, let's do it. It's on your brain. Don't go anywhere. Be back in a couple minutes right here Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. Hey, welcome back, Fish on Northwest. Wayne and Tommy Donlin here in the studio as we are each and every week. And you know what's it's kind of fun, Tommy, is we get to go out throughout the week and try to you know achieve some things or find some successes and or at times failures. But we're out doing what it is we enjoy doing, and we get to bring it back in here and talk about that. And one such event, I would say, <laughs> I look at this as an event. You guys got out tuna fishing again. Jumped on uh, Jason Takayoshi's boat. Um, what day was that? Tuesday. Monday, yeah. Monday. That was Monday, yep. Monday. So we're going to break it down kind of by the numbers because uh, it, it was an impressive run. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And then I, as we get through this, I also want you to kind of summarize our tuna season. Yeah. Because every time I mention tuna, you get that little smirk on your face that just <laughs> will not go away. This guy is uh, all about the tuna. So uh, miles out right now. How far do I got to run to go find the tuna? 33 nautical. That is not too shabby, yeah. huh? That's I mean it's it's you're you're basically uh, you know on the halibut grounds out of Grays Canyon. You go That's just a little point. bit further and you're yeah. into the tuna. And uh, and uh, Jason's boat. How long did that take to get out there? Oh, it's like on you know it's like 40, 45 minutes. Forty five yeah. minute drive. Yeah, sixteen hundred horsepower will do that for you. Yeah, it, it used to take me forty five yeah. minutes to go to work. So, right. You know, right. that's right. nothing. Right. So pop a right. pop a uh, podcast in and go. Right. Right. So uh, what's the water temperature out there? So what we were fishing was right around 62, just over 62 degrees. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it maintained consistent? It was very consistent. Much, yeah. Yep. Very, very consistent. Uh, on Monday, how many fish on board? 52. That is a high boat number for the season. That is a That's high boat number for the season. Yep. 52 tuna. Um, um, and then, yeah, there you go. Taking a look at that. How many different techniques? I know before we talked, you, we, we You could say four. Um, if you count the different types of jigging we did, you would say five. Okay. So you got trolling. We got them on live bait. We got them on swim baits. We got them on vertical jigging. We got them on slow pitch jigging. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the season, a couple of conversations we had, it was more so, well, just getting them on the trip. Matter of fact, down at, down at uh, El Waco, talked to a few guys, and we had differences of success. Bait worked for a little bit, mostly on the troll. Most guys seem to get their yeah. feet on the troll, right? Yeah, they had, you know, during that ITC tournament, they had a lot of wind. That's true. And they had really poor bait quality. Yes. And so it's really points. hard to jig, yeah. um, you know, vertically when you're blowing and getting blown hard. Yeah. 
Um, so you got to use swimming jigs or just, you know, go back to the troll. And that's what a lot of those guys were doing. Yeah, boat control, yeah. vertical jig. I mean, that carries over into our salmon fishing as well. I mean, oh, absolutely. To either mooch or, you know, jig. That vertical presentation is key to success. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you guys didn't, you didn't have the wind, you weren't battling the conditions out there. On That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, the beautiful thing too, is that I think, you know, September freaks a lot of people out be, uh, for tuna fishing because they know they don't have a bait tank, uh -huh. but the way the fishery has been going, it doesn't matter if you, if you control and you got some good lures, you know how to run your boat for the troll, mm -hmm. you're going to be in the fish. So as far as the troll plugs, diving plugs, what, uh, a lot of diving plugs. Diving yeah. Plugs. We've been, we've been falling in love with the nomad DTXs running right. the 125s. Uh, various colors, pink, chrome, and sardine, and that's really resulted in the majority of our fish. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, how many hour day was that? You know, people often go, eh, tuna fishing, man, you're gone all day. You're gone like 12, 16 hours. You know, that was like an eight and a half hour day, but honestly, I mean, mo the majority of those fish were caught in the first four and a half hours. Oh. It died in the afternoon, and so, you know, it was really, by one. yeah, yeah, <laughs> if we would have called it earlier, I yeah. mean, you know, with that bow, the 39 CV, there's a lot of hold space. And so, yeah. you know, the true plug on that boat is probably somewhere north of 100 tuna. Oh, well, you guys fell yeah. well short then. Yes, so we did. We failed. That was a fail. <laughs> you <laughs> talked about failures earlier. Disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's one of our failures. We'll chalk that up to a, a, an epic fail day, 52 uh, slackers. Um, yeah. What uh, just, you know, we kind of just about this. How many days are left in this season, Tommy? You know, it's been really good, and the guys off the south end of Vancouver Island are getting them. You know, there's, I, I mean, I think it's going to go at least another 30 days, if I had to guess. Well, and you had just kind of mentioned it a little bit. September, you know, people get a little sketched out. It's like, I don't have a light bait or whatever, and then they're like, eh, you know, the weather. Look, I've talked to a lot of guys that fish, too, and it's September's like, I'm wait, I can't wait for September. September's prime time. Yeah, man. Yeah. The ocean pretty much lays down much more than in August. We right. We get those high heat days. And all them convection winds and then that, you know, right. current changes and you get that offshore onshore battling and the ocean gets a little nasty with the hot weather. Right. And I mean, the, we've got some nice close water right now. I mean, you yeah, look at years past too, yeah. and they've been out at 70 or 80 miles. They're at 33 miles. That's unbelievable. You know, time to go get them. Are you projecting any closures? You know our salmon <laughs> yeah. management, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. There will be uh, no fishing from a boat for tuna in the month oh, of October. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. No, no closures okay, whatsoever. An honest question. How would you summarize this season, categorize it within the last 10 years? Yep. So this is um, very similar to seasons that we had from, I'll say, kind of the early 2000s mm -hmm. all the way up through about 2012. That's kind of those, and it's just been like where you could get fish on the troll, anybody yep. can get them, everybody's getting some fish. Um, that's how I would classify how good it's been. Even with the fuel prices, well worth going, and or if you haven't signed mm -hmm. up with a charter out there, there's still plenty to choose from. Lots of dates open up in September, people get busy doing other things, and uh, it's a great opportunity if you have not Taking the time to get on the ocean, go after tuna again. Not have to go out very far. Plenty of tuna for everyone. Going to have a great time. All right, well done, sir. You guys had a heck of a day. Uh, we're going to jump out for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We come back first time to the show. Tommy, friend of ours for a long time. That's right. Brianna Bruce, uh, Living Life Adventures. We're going to really drill down on this epic coho opportunity, Area Ten, with Brianna Bruce. We come back after this break right here, at Fish on Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. Hi, this is Joe and Megan from Archery World. Uh, we have four store locations. We are at the Lacey location right now. I uh, just want to highlight some of our camping gear. We have uh, Mystery Ranch packs. We have crispy boots. We have six-hour optics. We carry Havilon knives. We carry Garmin products as well. So it's not just archery. We want to try to make this one-stop shopping for you guys. And so if you need it and it puts you in the outdoors, we probably have it. So come down and see us. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Tommy, we want to introduce first time to the studio, first time guest, Brianna Bruce, Living Life Adventures, www.livinglifeadventures.com. Brianna, how are you doing this evening? 
I'm doing great. How are you doing? Hey, we're fantastic. Thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to join us. So we're going to get right to it. So the Area 10 Coho Fishery looks like it's been performing pretty well. Is it fair to say there seems to be a decent number of fish around lately? Yeah, there is. It was a little slow to start this year, but it's in the last week, week and a half, it's been full tilt. This weather that moved in slowed us down a little bit today, but there's plenty of fish around and the fish finder's full of marks. It's just getting them to bite right now. Nice. So where are you finding them? And then how deep are they typically? What are you running? You're running hardware, running bait? What's the program? I've been doing a big mix of stuff. Um, hoochies and herring strips, ace highs, <laughs> uh, spoons. I've been running, started running the coho killers this week and they've started to pick up now. And uh, I'm fishing area 10 because I hate cutting loose <laughs> wild fish. So focusing on area 10, fishing mostly like oil docks, Richmond Beach area. There's been a ton of fish. If you can get away from, you know, some of the grass and there's been a ton of stuff, even whole trees floating in the <laughs> water lately. If you can get away from that stuff, you can get some fish. And we've been finding them anywhere from 35 to like 55 feet on the wire. Uh, today we even caught our biggest fish down at a hundred feet. So oh, no don't kidding. be afraid to go down there, especially later in the day, but morning 25, 35 feet, we're catching a lot of fish up there. Nice. You know, you mentioned a lot of debris in the water, <clears throat> Brianna, you know, it's uh, it's classic, uh, and it always, it never seems to fail. We want those big tides, uh, to start pushing those fish into some of our lower estuary waters into our lower rivers, but those big tides always tend to bring a lot of debris back out into Puget Sound. So it's kind of a, kind of a you know, good and bad time, but um, you're finding fish even on these big tides. So are you marking, you kind of mentioned you're marking a lot of fish on electronics. Are you targeting those fish that you're seeing or are you putting down random numbers, you know, just kind of finding success uh, randomly? It's kind of here or there. In the morning, we're pretty much just picking numbers. And then if we're not hitting fish there, we start targeting marks and the marks have been so consistent lately. I mean, you see there's consistent marks all day at like 55 feet, 75 feet, mm. 90 feet. So once we're not catching fish up there in the shallows after that first morning, like early morning, then we're starting to drop down to where we're seeing fish consistently in that area. Oh, interesting. You know, it's, it is interesting, and we've got the Everett Coho Derby coming up. Yes, we do. September 24th and 25th, and kind of speaking of interesting, you know, something that I've never really thought of is, like, catching that one largest coho. You know, it's just not something, <laughs> you, like know, you, don't really think, you don't really think about it, right? Yeah, you're just yeah. like, you're going out, I'm going to catch some coho, catch mm -hmm. schnook, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, Brianna, do you have any advice for folks that are fishing that derby, how they would go and catch that derby winner? You know, just putting in the time and fishing as much gear as you can, really, the more rods you can have out. Uh, one of my little tips and tricks is running like a dropper rod, kind of like we do down on the Columbia. I'm running cannonballs on a slider, like mm -hmm. 10 to 14 ounces and running them out the back between my downriggers. It gets you more gear out and it gives you extra chances. The only thing is you have to watch all that debris. It picks it up pretty quick, but it also allows you to see your gear working. So I run a normal flasher and my normal gear, you know, usually a spoon or something back there. And you can actually see the thump of the rod right. and it helps you with your speed. Cause a lot of people go out there and they just, you know, they plan on trolling three miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Well, are you going against the current with the current across it? Having those dropper rods out actually lets you see that speed so that you're fishing effectively the entire time. I That's agree awesome. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That, that middle rod out the back on lead is something I too always run with, you know, 11 inch rotating flasher. And you're right. It gives you an indication of your of your actual thump and if the gear is working or just kind of hanging there it's a great indicator not to mention it can be one of the most productive rods all morning and the afternoon depending what do you what are you running on that is it typically a bait rod are you running a spoon what do you what are you running up a little higher in the water column and how far out the back are you putting that most of the time i like to run it with a spoon i'll either run like a three inch kingfisher or a coho killer behind yeah. an 11 inch flasher and I'll run like 10 or 12 ounces, 80 to 100 feet back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent idea. You run any scent on your hardware, spoons, hoochies, anything like that? And are you running bait at all? It's not, you know, typically a dogfish issue when we're up suspended a little higher for these coho. So you run any bait, herring or uh, anchovy? 
I run herring strips on my uh, hoochies or A-size when I'm running them. And just a strip on the top hook. My spoons, I'll do a little bit of, a lot of times I'll pick a herring or a krill scent for them. And, you know, whatever gel you're using or some the thicker smelly jelly, throw that on there. And it can help a lot of times. Uh, if you're running into a ton of shakers, I'll stay away from the scent and I'll run them just straight. And a lot of times that's when I'll get that bigger fish is actually without the scent. Perfect. Well, hey, uh, it all goes by way too fast. want to thank you for taking time to join us. Are you fishing the Derby real quick? I will be there. Okay. No. Good luck to you and those on your boat. Brianna Bruce, check her out. Living Life Adventures, www.livinglifeadventures.com. It's been great, Brianna. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks. All right. Uh, hey, jumping out for a quick break. We come back. If you are viewing us via Root Sports, we want to thank you for tuning in. That does it for the first half of the show. Don't go anywhere. Second half of the show, live stream, coming up right after this break. Sergeant Daniel Moulter began his tour of duty on October 21st, 1996, and ended his tour on June 27th, 2020. On the authority of Constable Carlos B. Lopez of the Travis County Constable's Office, Precinct 5, badge number 504 is officially retired, and Sergeant Dale Moulter is 1042. Godspeed, Sergeant Moulter. Honoring fallen law officers of 2021. The 2022 end of watch ride begins in May from Spokane, Washington. The ride across the country to honor the men and women of law enforcement who paid the ultimate sacrifice in their service to our communities will cover more than 23,000 miles. We ride to ensure that no fallen officer or their family is ever forgotten. EOW relies on sponsors and donations to cover this cost. Please consider donating to help support the families and departments of the fallen officers. You can donate by visiting our website at www.endofwatchride.com forward slash donate. Please support the blue. Hey, welcome back Fish on Northwest. We are here in the Bait Lab. I want to remind everybody all Bait Lab presentations brought to you by Sportco and of course our buddies at Max Lure. So tonight we're curing eggs. This is a second installment of our Egg Curing 101 I want to thank Tommy, Donlin, and Ty for bringing me some fantastic coho eggs. They did it exactly right. They, uh, they got some fish, they bled them, wrapped the eggs in paper towels, absorbed the extra blood out of them. These things are fantastic and prime time ready to be cured. We do have one skin here with just a little bit of blood trail in there. I want to take a minute and show you guys how to get the blood out of there. But these are coho eggs cut out of the ocean. And for me, it's ideal to use fire cure. Last week we talked about sulfite-based cures and I like to apply the fire cure on egg, egg skeins that are a little bit immature and very tight with skin uh, because they're just going to hold together a whole lot better. Remember, fire cure in sulfite, sulfite-based cure, sodium sulfite, doesn't really uh, toughen or tighten the skin on your eggs. So if you're looking for a cure to tighten up your skin and the skein, uh, fire cure and sulfite based cures aren't going to do that for you, but they are going to do a really great job in adding color, uh, eggs that milk out and fish very well. They'll preserve well in the refrigerator because of the sodium sulfites, as it is a preservative. And the sodium sulfite and the sulfites add bite stimulants. Um, you know, we're not, the fish aren't talking, we don't know why, but for some reason they respond to sodium sulfites uh, at various times. Think about Sulfites and sodium sulfites, remember, as I mentioned before, they're more of a food preservative. So if you think about applying these to fruits and vegetables and things that you want to have uh, be able to sustain longer in a refrigerated uh, atmosphere, uh, sulfites aren't designed to tighten and shrink things up. So again, we're going to use them on skeins that already have plenty of skin and are a little bit uh, immature in development. So these skeins out of the ocean, coho like this, are ideal. One thing we want to do is get all blood out of the eggs, and it's really easy to do, <clears throat> excuse me, you just simply push, take the flat edge of your knife here, push the blood from any of the finger veins on down to that bottom vein at the base of the skein. I'm gonna pop a little hole there, and now just with the knife, I can watch as I move that blood right down the, the large vein here at the bottom, and you can see the blood pulling up there. I put the paper towel at the end. It literally just wicks the blood away, as you can see, it pulls it right out of that skein. So now I have six or so nice little coho skeins that are ready to go pretty much blood free. Now I wanna make sure I get the cure 
down inside these skeins. So with this much skin around them and the lack of maturity on these skeins, we are gonna have to open them up. A sharp knife, a sharp pair of scissors, bigger skeins you literally can pull apart with your fingers or your thumbs uh, and just simply you know, massage them open like that. But for these smaller skeins, a nice sharp knife, running right down the middle, so we're butterflying, just like you'd butterfly a cut of meat, not all the way through, leave that skin intact on the back side, so when you're in the field cutting your baits, um, they, they tend to perform a lot better. So I'm just gonna cut down every one of these skeins. We're butterflying uh, all of these open, so we have more egg exposed for the cure to get to, okay? You can see, again, these skeins were taken care of in the field really well, so I don't have to deal with a lot of blood, uh, especially your smaller immature skeins like this, if you don't bleed your fish early and also get all the blood out of the skein and wrap these in paper towel, as the skein sits in the fridge for a day or two, that blood begins to coagulate. It gets really tough to move out of these tighter skeins. So anytime you get fresh roe out of your uh, fish and you have the opportunity to do so, I like to cure eggs within the first 24 hours. 48 at a max, you can go out to 72. But one thing about eggs is they will begin to spoil in your refrigerator after several days and they start getting kind of a funky smell to them. So the earlier you can cure your eggs, the better. So these are all prepped and ready, wide open, butterflied. We're gonna get our fire cure. Now one thing about uh, sodium sulfite based cures is you can put too much on there and people like to refer to that as burning your eggs. You're really not burning your eggs. You're just adding so much sulfite to it that the chemicals in the sulfites want to continue to try and preserve <clears throat> the, the egg or whatever it is you're putting it on. So it eventually begins to weaken the membrane, the eggs begin to pop, and the juices continue to run out. And that's really all you've done is over-cured. I wouldn't say you've burned the eggs, but the sulfites, you know, it's referred to as a hot cure for a lot of folks. It's more of just over-preserving and they just continue to weep and you lose all your juice. So a little bit goes a long way. A light dusting on the egg side is pretty much all I do anymore. Um, and we'll dump them in the bag here in a minute and add just a little bit more if we need to. But it's pretty simple just to put a light sprinkling. You can see how fast the moisture attacks this uh, cure on here. I mean, it instantly is turning wet here. It's already starting to create juice. Um, it's just the reaction that the, the, the cure has on the eggs with all the natural juice inside these eggs. So um, I did some earlier today. I did the jar method that is uh, described on the bottle of fire cure that you purchase. And you can see how much juice has begun to uh, be created here in this jar. Now, the worst thing I could do right now is looking at this, look, all the eggs are about the same color. I added a little bit of fire dye in there to really make them red. And I see all that juice in here. Don't open it up and dump the juice out. This needs to sit at room temperature for up to 24 hours. It's gonna uh, evacuate all the juice and then the eggs are gonna reabsorb that juice and then the eggs seal up and has all that juice and the cure and the bite stimulants and the sulfites all locked into the eggs. And that's really what you want. If I was to jump, dump the juice out right now because I think I've added too much cure uh, and I panic, I'm gonna basically disrupt the curing process. The eggs won't fish well. They're not cured. So we need 24 hours at room temperature and those will be fully cured and 90% of that juice will be reabsorbed even though I added a little bit of extra liquid with that fire dye to give it a deep red color. Then I can simply put them in the refrigerator. I can uh, take them out of the jar and put them into another bag or freeze them. There's a number of things I can do, but the first 24 hours room temperature to maximize the curing. So that holds the same here. Now you can see, look at the juice already starting to come out of these eggs here just with that cure sitting on there for a short time. I like to do it on the paper towels because I simply fold that up and I open up my bag I'm just going to dump these eggs right on into here and it doesn't get all over my hands. It's a pretty clean operation. So uh, yeah, no mess. Now I can take a look at this and decide, well, maybe I do want a little bit more cure on here. So I'm going to sprinkle on just a little. Now remember, you can always add more later if you don't think it's uh, producing enough juice, but you can't take it away if you put too much on there. So leave yourself some room in here. Simply put a little air in that bag because now, unlike the jar where basically I can turn it upside down and roll it around like this and kind of mix it up, the nice thing about the bag is I can literally gently tumble these eggs around and get that cure really mixing in on there. Again, I can look at the coloration of the eggs after a few hours and if I think I'm not getting equal distribution, color and cure, 
I can add a little bit more. When it comes to fire cure, I would, add, I would rather add some later than continue to uh, put, or put too much on early on and ruin the egg. So now those are gonna basically sit in that bag for 24 hours. I'm going to roll that around every 30, 60 minutes or so, tumble it around, get the juices rolling around in there, get the color distribution equally. Um, we wanna make sure all egg skeins are getting colored up evenly and that we have um, you know, good cure on all the eggs. The other thing I could do, if I wanted to, on this powder cure, I could add in my sardine powder as an extra scent. That is an option. Um, I'm gonna choose not to on these eggs. I'm gonna fish them strictly at fire cure. Now, after 12 hours or so, once there's a lot of juice in there, I can pop the seal, roll all the air out of the bag, and there would be a whole lot of juice at the bottom of this bag now, and I'm going to let them sit overnight for the remaining 12 hours completely enveloped in the juice that's created so it really has opportunity to reabsorb all the juice into all the eggs. And then after 24 hour period, I can put those in the fridge. And after 24 hours in the fridge, I'm either going to put them in a container to fish, I'm gonna wrap them up and put them in the freezer to fish later, or uh, leave them in the fridge for a couple weeks. They're not gonna go bad. They have sulfite on them, which is a food preservative, so they're gonna be just fine. Hopefully that helps you out a little bit understanding the sulfites and the sulfite cures, what they can do for you. These eggs are gonna fish fantastic. Thank you, Tommy, for bringing me an early Christmas present. All right, jump out for a quick break. We'll see you back in the studio right after this. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. All right, welcome back in the studio. Hopefully that bait lab uh, gave you a little insight and they find some success, Tommy. Uh, thanks again for those eggs, man. Those things are beautiful. Yeah, you bet, man. There's some beautiful coho out there out of Westport. <laughs> they getting some size on them? They are, they are. There's some There's some 12 pounders out there. They got the feed bag on? They do, yeah. they do, they're yeah. chuck full. So, all right, well, uh, hey, we're gonna jump right to it. Looks like uh, we did make connection here. Let me get my uh, sheet back up here. Our good buddy, Bill Monroe, Jr., Bill Monroe Outdoors joining us here via the old Zoom, and there he is walking around. Huh, Inside a boat. He's on. Hey, you there? Yeah. Hey, we got you. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. Nice, nice. Looks like you got the, there we uh, go. got the plaid rolling tonight. I like it. You like this? Yeah, this buddy. This is called uh, I Fished and Was Done Fishing by 9 a.m., so I took a nap, kind of relaxed. <laughs> That is perfect, and you are uh, you're sitting in the boat, so this just even keeps getting better. So, hey, sitting um, in the boat. That's yeah. right. I came home for the night. That's right. I've been up above Bonneville Dam because we didn't have a choice until right. today. Right. So. Right. Right. Well, yep. so yep. Yep. little history lesson, and uh, I want to thank you for jumping on with Tommy and I tonight because uh, I know. You are uh, sick and tired of talking about Thule's and the debacle that is for 2022. Holy moly. I know, but hey. I know, I know, right? I'm growing to hate that fish. <laughs> and I don't hate, I don't that hate fish. salmon. Like, right. salmon is my life, right? Right. right. Well, I hate Thule's. Well, so, so for those that don't know, Bill, explain to them what a Thule is. Yeah. All right. So a Thule Chinook. It's a substrain of a lower Columbia River Chinook-based uh, that, that spawned below Bonneville Dam, okay? They are a, a, an ocean-going fish. They're from Canadian waters, which is where they rear. They actually are prime fish in, 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 in Canada's waterways. Uh, that this is The, the Tule Chinook is what the Canadians... Um, are mainly after when mm. they go for commercial salmon fishing in in their in the Canadian trawl fleet on the west coast, and and what they do is they spawn solely, well not solely, by the main blunt of them uh, spawn in the lower Columbia River, mm. and when they become into our zone for fall chinook fisheries, which they do. 
They now have started to become part of the management process, which is now known as North of Falcon. You heard me talk about North of Falcon till I'm blue in the face. Yep. And it's no secret that I'm completely dissatisfied how WBFW runs North of Falcon Fisheries. It's 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 a uh, it, it's really really complicated. You know, Oregon and Washington gets together and they op- they come together and they make spring Chinook fishery decisions. They make summer Chinook fishery decisions. They make steelhead winter fishery decisions but when it comes to north of falcon oregon participates washington is in charge of that segment of the columbia river management period and that is north of falcon and it's it's a train wreck it is an absolute train wreck because truly management has become the main culprit in what we are now looking at the the about a 10-year average of shutdowns after shutdowns after shutdowns because of the ESA listing and management exploitation rate that we have to abide by because there's this treaty. It's the PST, which is the Pacific Salmon Treaty. Right. And a subsection of that PST is the U.S. versus Canada. Okay. And U.S. versus Canada says that we will maintain a certain level of Thule Chinook survival or what we now management as a, a certain amount of mortality. That's what we operate. Mm-hmm. And then the Canadians agree to not put their commercial fleet in on the Columbia River Spring Chinook stock, which our springers are coveted. Mm-hmm. We love our Spring Chinook. Right. We, but what comes down to it is that we get such very little meaningful spring chinook opportunity and then it comes time for you know blue tin and ocean and north of falcon fisheries which is the fall chinook period right we that's our that's our primary fisheries here in the northwest it's the super bowl of salmon fishing mm-hmm. blue tin the columbia river yeah it's known throughout the world this is what we do speaking and speaking we of are blue tin. We, Speaking of buoy right. ten, so look, we yeah. had a hatchery only select fishery from August first to the twenty fourth, and then it went to uh, wild retention the twenty fifth. Well, basically right. through the end of the month because we got to the end of the month and we had too high of wild tule impact, and they shut it down. And then from the stretch above, it, uh, what was it? It was now. Here's the constraint, yeah. Wayne. Yeah. It wasn't the const- the constraint wasn't just wild tule impact. Mm-hmm. They can't measure. The problem is, is that the states right. have no idea no. how to measure wild tule impact. So what they do is they monitor hatchery tule impact. And that's why we were a hatchery only for 24 days and operated about 104% of expectations. So it worked, right? Hatchery only worked sure. for what we needed to do to manage tules for 24 days. And then all hell broke loose on August 25th. Yeah. And the the catch rates went through the roof. Mm-hmm. They they saw catch rates that they've never seen before, and that's probably because the runs were way better than they forecasted. And there, that's why North of Falcon is broken because once they forecast a Thule Chinook run, mm-hmm. Thule's can't be upgraded in season, whereas everything else can. The, the, the Bonneville Pool Fish, the Upriver Bites, the Snake River Wild, Spring Chinook, Summer Chinook, it can all be upgraded in season. Yeah. And to be able to provide more opportunity. Well, the federal PST, the guidelines say that Thule's, once they're forecasted in North of Falcon, they can't be upgraded. And it, it ruined the entire fishery this year. I'm going to say that because we struggled hardcore for the first 24 days. We put a lot of time into making a conscious effort Mm -hmm. to release fish or be out in the ocean, which was a whole nother, you know, that's a lot more effort to get out in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. So Bill, let's uh, let's talk about that that, uh, decision for a second. So you said, you know, they determined that this fishery is not one that can be upgraded based on, you know, escapement. And we know that as of September 7th, The, the numbers, the number of tulies that we saw in the Columbia River system, 
exceeded the forecast already by September 7th, where typically Through by that point in time, you'd only see about 65% of the run. So why That's would right. they put something like that in the season setting process? You know what? I don't know. It's <laughs> a but good question. They right? definitely did. They, here's here's another thing. All of the lower trips, Lewis, Kalama, Cowlitz, Cowlitz. Nat mm-hmm. Creek, Big Creek, all of those are Thule streams. Yeah. And they all have contractors like Pacific Seafood, Bornstein Seafood, you name it. They all contract to be able to go in after Thule mitigation is done. And that's where they take the eggs that they need, right? Yeah. Well, on multiple streams, these <laughs> seafood companies can't keep up. They, they've got more toolies than they know what to do with. And so when you forecast, you know, 10,000 LRWs, which is what we're calling low river wild, it's mm-hmm. actually a bright stock and that's a long story. Sure. Um, but low river wilds is LRWs and then LRH, they forecast at another 70,000. Well, right now they have 120 to 150,000 toolies, which had they had forecasted that, we wouldn't have any problems. We'd be fishing until Labor Day in Booty 10. We'd be fishing in the lower Columbia River from uh, Longview to Bonneville instead of this crazy section now where we're at the tip of Reed Island in Washougal. Okay. That's because no toolies have ever been recorded as taken in that zone. Right. So let's, that, uh, that let's is talk, the area you can fish. Yeah, let's talk about that. So they set the boundaries for the lower section, buoy 10 to uh, Tongue Point for three coho retention. And then that, that marker you just uh, mentioned there, upriver of that yeah. for Chinook hatchery or wild, but that's not exactly a conducive area to really go after it and get it done. No, you know why? It's because it's a wind tunnel. It's right. the beginning. Yes. It's the beginning of a mountain range. It's yeah, the yeah. beginning of the Cascades. There's six and you're fishing in there. the middle right. of this mountain yes. range, and yeah. it's weather dependent. Yeah. And not every uh, Joe licensed buying fisherman can access that. Right, right. now they can because right. it was good weather day, right? Yeah. But if you get a system that comes in, they're not going to be able to fish no, it. It's it just another. Like you're right. It's yep. just another example of loss of opportunity. Yep. And the only other thing open for these people, like I did, I just spent 10 days up a Hood River. Yeah. I had to leave Astoria, go and spend $2,000 on hotel rooms, and I just want to get my clients into the fish that they have been looking for. Sure. That's, that's the reason they buy licenses. Those licenses run the budgets of these departments. Right. And as a fishing guide, my job is to promote, get people to buy licenses yeah. and go fishing. That's right. what we do. It's, this is what we do. So, so the speaking, Thule, speaking of that, Bill, you've got, yep. you know, you got the lower Columbia back open now. Um, where will you be fishing and do you have any openings? I will be fishing. I'm going to be maintaining the at-home status here for the Columbia River Gorge until mm-hmm. we start seeing a little bit more coho uh, flush in in the estuary. They're not quite in. Matter of fact, there's coho being reported all the way out to 400 or 500 foot of water, and that means huh. that's the B-run segment of coho, and they are way out there feeding, way out in the ocean, which means they're not coming in for another couple of weeks. So I'm going to maintain some time up here in the Columbia while it's open. I think it's going to be good. Those fish are not being fished on in the lower river. Mm -hmm. They're coming up into, you know, the Bonneville or above Bonneville, which is where I've been in Hood River, all the way up to the Deschutes. It's really, really good fishing. And yes, Mm -hmm. October has a lot of room for me. October is going to be prime time Chinook and coho fishing for me. It's going to be great. Awesome. Uh, You can have some openings throughout October, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. Outdoors.com. Yep. at gmail.com. They can uh, get a hold of you and uh, book a trip and enjoy some uh, Columbia River opportunity, of which, right. let's face it, buddy, you stuff the fish box day in and day out. So. Hey, I, 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 I like that. I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm good. I'm good at fishing, and I want everybody to come out yep. and get one of these for themselves because – they're taxpayers, they're licensed buyers. This is a big deal for people who otherwise can't get out there. It's 
important. Absolutely. Well, hey, thanks for uh, a little clarity on the uh, the Thule, and it's now become you your favorite fish for the rest of your life. It's so. not my favorite fish. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a great, have a great, great night. All right, guys. Nice All to talk day. to you. You guys take care. You bet. See you soon. All right. Take care. Bill Monroe Jr., Bill Monroe Outdoors. Check him out on social media or his webpage. He is a gem of a human being, Tommy, and just a really... He's a hell of a fisherman. He and is. You'll definitely have a good time when you're on board with him. So, uh, with that, let's jump out for a quick break and come out. We're going to close out the show. A few announcements. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you guys were asking, yeah, do we have the dates for the duck and goose hunts with Ross Outdoors? Yes, we do. So, uh, pay attention to that. And we also have an announcement of the contest. Somebody's going to be the beneficiary of some free tickets. Don't go anywhere. Quick break right here. We'll be back at Fish on Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. All right, welcome back, Fishing Northwest. As we wind it down, Tommy, a couple exciting uh, things that are in the works here. Yes, indeed. I gave you the dates or not? I think I did. <laughs> yes, you did. Of, got a lot of statements on here too. Uh, Ken asking about some areas two two and and uh, guys talking about the Chehalis, uh, which opens tomorrow on the sixteenth. Yep, there's there's definitely some opportunity now to start getting into these terminal areas, early terminal areas, tidal water uh, influxed areas that should have some fish showing up for sure we need some rain though on these tributaries and yeah. these main stems we need some mm-hmm. rain to start pushing these salmon well you know it bodes well for like area 10 and out there in the harbor when it's going to be over the salt out. the salt yeah because then fish kind of keg up as soon as that fresh yeah. water hits <laughs> yeah. they're in it's drainsville man and then then we're in the rivers chasing them so uh as far as dates yes for our scheduled hunts with ross outdoors this year we're doing two of them november and december uh, take advantage of a two-day duck hunt and then a two-day event in December. When it gets colder, Tommy, we've got a better opportunity on those geese, as you well know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be hunting uh, duck in a goose day there in December. So uh, hunt number one, and I'm going to be putting this up on the uh, Facebook page here shortly. And, Jordan, we got a slide that goes along with that as well, I do believe. Uh, with Ross Outdoors, we'll be uh, hunt number one, arrive November 6th. We're hunting the 7th and 8th. It's a two-day duck hunt. And it's two nights of lodging, dinner included both nights. It's $3.75 per day to uh, hang out with us. Maximum occupancy on that will be 12. And then hunt number two, this will be in December. Arrive December 12th, hunt the 13th and the 14th, a two-day hunt. We get a day of duck and a day of geese. Two nights lodging, dinner included both nights. Again, $3.75 per day uh, to hang out with uh, Tommy and I. And uh, other members of the crew, and of course, Shelby Ross, Ross Outdoors, and I think Levi's probably still working over there with him. It's going to be a great time. Um, directly go to Ross Outdoors um, Adventures and, and uh, tie in with Shelby. He's got all the dates and the calendars. He'll take care of you, getting you scheduled. And again, you can do two days. You can do one day. You can just come out for the goose hunt, stay one night. You can pick and choose. But on each given day, it's a maximum occupancy of 12. So 375 a day. Again, I'll put this stuff up on our Facebook page here this week, and uh, we'll start getting folks booked to come join us. Should right on. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. So. Hey, and in other news, we've also got another event that we are giving away tickets to. Yes, This we is are. the mm-hmm. Four Seasons Fighters Gala or Gala, depending uh, on your country of origin uh, and how you, which language uh, yeah. you like to use. Uh, perfect. But um, <laughs> we got free tickets available for one lucky winner and guest. Yep. Now there's some requirements. You got to go to our Facebook page. You have to like the page, mm-hmm. follow, and you have to go and find the contest, which is pinned in our page. Yep, pinned to the top. And it says, who wants to go? Okay. You have to go into the comments, and you have to type, I want to go. I want to go. And just in and of that will qualify you to go to this gala event. It's an amazing event with the Four Seasons Fighters. Um, I'm bummed. I won't be able to be there, but it's just going gonna, gonna to be absolutely phenomenal. And then we will draw the winner 
on Monday, September 19th at 5 p.m. and then post those results on our Facebook page. Yep, so as Tommy stated, go to our Facebook page, put in I want to win, that qualifies you. Your name goes into the drawing for you and against. This is a $250 value. I know. We're just giving away money. I mean, why not? It's for a great yep. cause. Those boys are fantastic. They uh, treated me to an amazing turkey hunt and uh, just everything, the outpouring and all they did, you know, just for mm -hmm. me retiring to come on over as a former member who served in uh, community service like that, my fire career, they just poured it out for me, man. I was just like so mm -hmm. grateful. So uh, we're just trying to give a little back and would love it for persons to be able to attend on our dime. It's well worth it to us. We, <clears throat> we can't make it, so we'd sure like to see a couple folks on our behalf go there and sit at a table. Um, yeah, the two most important things here is go to the Facebook page to enter I want to win. And then if you're drawn and you do win, we ask that you actually make sure you put that on your calendar and you attend mm -hmm. on Friday, September 23rd. Uh, and all the details are on the Four Season Fighters uh, webpage. Go to fourseasonfighters.org. Check out all the information. But um, we'll draw that on Monday, Tommy. We'll put that out there. And then we'll also remind folks on Thursday uh, who the winner is and make sure that they get there by Friday. So. Uh, really good Perfect. stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right. Got some hunts to look forward to and lots going on. Lots of fishing this week. I'm heading out tomorrow, apparently. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to go jump you in. You do some Area 10? Uh, no. going to go jump in with uh, Pro Escobedo over there on the... Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Alex from Edge Rods. Got some Edge Rods players going and, and uh, jump in with Pro. Spend a day with him. Uh, just always a great guy to hang out with and fish with. Uh, they called me up and said, hey, you want to go fishing? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else to do, so... We'll try to uh, we'll try to capture some of that. Have a great day of uh, chasing some Chinook on the Columbia, and of course, uh, yeah, you mentioned Buoy Ten. I think that's on the docket for Monday. Mm, we'll put perfect. Put the light in on Monday. I think Matt Messing is going to jump in the boat and hang out with me, and we're going to go find some coho. Right on. Awesome. What do you got going on through the weekend? Oh, a lot of stuff, unfortunately, that's not fishing, but some good stuff. Ah, good times. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for bringing Ty, uh, Eric's bike. Yeah. He's, uh, he's always a pleasure to hang out with and have a good time. So Sometimes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, we had a number of folks, by the way, before we get out of Tommy, message that they were watching us on Root Sports, and we appreciate that. Yes. Root Sports was replaying one of our episodes tonight at 6 p.m., which coincides the exact same time we go live here on the studio. That episode, I believe, was probably from last week. So no big deal. You're still catching uh, Fish Hunt Northwest on Root Sports. And if you haven't checked it out, be sure you do. Uh, you can also find us on our weekly podcast. This stream will get loaded up uh, on the audio version of it. Podcast only, seven different platforms. Go to your favorite podcast, search Fish Hunt Northwest, and you're going to find us. And you can listen to that every Friday morning. The new episode comes out. And so we are relevant uh, weekly, and you can find us on multiple platforms. That's right. And don't forget to go tuna fishing. Don't forget to go tuna fishing. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Get out there and do something. Post your pics to our Facebook page. Share your content. And get some kids out there in the outdoors hunting or fishing. It's wide open right now. Have a good time. We'll see you next Thursday right here. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and of course our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.